0: Um, oh gosh, what is his name? Kevin, Kevin. Hang on. Hang on. I'm gonna have so many edits on this one. What is his name, Kevin? Kevin James. Okay. going on it's the tamale mafia podcast the place where everything and nothing collide what is up with you today oh man it's aaron and uh it's another week it's another week in the tamale mafia podcast universe let me ask you a question did you guys listen to the greatest relationship story ever told i got some feedback on that and uh apparently it was pretty funny it was funny when I went through it. Old Spice Rack, man. That is a special dude. I was reminded uh, while I was kind of listening back through that, and I was uh, talking with another friend of mine, kind of reminded me of some other things that Spice Rack was. I mean, Spice Rack was just a special kind of character. Um, and so told you that we had jammed in a, in his jam room where he played the drums, and so... That little band idea didn't really pan out, but several months later, uh, I started this group where we would play at a cafe, like an Italian pizza restaurant, and we would play on the weekends. Um, And so people would come out, we would sit out on the patio, they had a bar, and it was kind of a, uh, it was an interesting ordeal because uh, we'd play on Friday nights and sometimes Saturday nights, and... It was always like a ro- kind of a rowdy crowd for this cafe scene. You would think it would be a little bit subdued, kind of an Italian cafe on the sidewalk kind of thing. But it was the only bar in this residential area. So it was like a lot of apartment complexes and, and uh, condo type buildings. So people could walk there from their apartment and then walk back. And so it would get a little rowdy because it was like the bar, the hangout. And sometimes there would be like bar fights. It would always be some kind of drama, something happening. It was always interesting and kind of fun and always a little bit stressful because sometimes the bar fights would happen with people that were playing in my band because uh, we had a, a couple that played in the band and um, they were dating and they were one of these couples that probably should not have been dating, but they couldn't get away from each other uh they hated each other but they also couldn't not be together it was just one of those dynamics and um so they would uh they would come to the to the show everything would be fine when we would set up everything would be fine for the first like 3 songs maybe two sets all right right about the second set things would start going downhill and so they would like they would start drinking is what would happen they would start drinking and the more they drank the more they hated each other so they would drink and then um you would see this decline in both performance mood uh responsiveness <laughs> responsive uh responsibility you know Everything that would that you would expect out of somebody playing a a, a set for a cafe Friday night cafe like crowd, it was all it would all go to hell. So by the end of the night they were were not speaking to each other. They were trying to go home in different vehicles, uh, which they always rode in the same vehicle, which was really weird how they would try to go home in different vehicles. Call a cab, I don't care, you know. So uh they okay, so the lady um, I, I don't want to use their real name, so we're going to call them Sonny and Cher, okay? So Cher would sing and play the guitar, and Sonny would also uh, sing and play bass or guitar, drums, whatever. He was a multi-talented guy. So Cher would, the more she drank, the less she responded to... Direction, so we were if we were starting to sing. It, okay, let's do this song next. We would do that. We would start to do that song. She would take off, cut it off in the middle, and go. I don't think I want to play that anymore. I want to play this, and she would just start playing whatever. So second set in, it became it would become the share show. So she would just like take over, um, and then the uh, the Sonny Bono guy he. He would get really freaking angry that she was take that she would take over, and then she wouldn't listen to anybody. She would just do what she wanted, and play what she wanted. She started. She would do like one on ones with the crowd. <laughs> so she's like, "What do you want to hear?" And so she would just take over. And you know, me, I was just like, "Whatever." You know, as long as people are having a good time, it kind of sucks for us. But I mean, it's if it's the share show, then let it be the share show because this is what obviously the people in the cafe are having a good time. So it doesn't matter. But Sonny Bono would get super pissed. And so then Sonny Bono would pout and he would walk off and go sit at a table in the back corner and drink more. So the more he drank, the the angrier he would get. And then he would start going around to different tables and talk shit about Cher as she was singing. So he would just So anyway, it was always drama um with with that set with that show. And so we did it weekly. And it started becoming a real major source of stress for me because it would just, it always escalated and, and he would get super angry and then they would be arguing. Then I'd be trying to like calm them down or whatever. But the whole point I was trying to get to is that, um, this was kind of a, it was just an interesting set that we would always, that we did. And so I would have different of my friends come sit in and play and whatever. So I had a buddy who played, um, he's a phenomenal, uh, super amazing uh, musician. And he could play anything. So he would come and sit in and uh, play with us and sing with us or whatever. And then, so Spice Rack played the drums. So we, we made this little drum set. So we put like a snare and a hi-hat. And we put a, a cajon, which is like one of those boxes that you bang on for for beat. Um, so we put a one of those cajons with a kick pedal backwards so you play the kick with you play with your heel anyway if if that doesn't make sense you know it's fine it's not important to the story but we made this really cool little drum set that uh Spice Rat could play so Spice Rat could play so one time this buddy that I had come in he, he brought his wife and so they were um we were playing and singing so then like somewhere in the set my buddy goes hey my wife wants to sing this song do do you know it? And I was like, Oh yeah. Well, I don't really know it, but I mean, I can look it up, and we can figure it out. So, we did that. We looked it up, figured it out. So, hey, come on up, sing, you know. So she came up, she sang. The problem was not with her singing. The problem was we were in the wrong key. Okay, when I, when we looked when I looked it up on the internet, my phone. I pulled it up, whatever chart I pulled up was not in the key that she would sing it in, that it was written in. So her ear was trained to the song the way it was written, and so when she started to sing, she was, she wanted to sing in that key, we were playing in a different key, okay? So it was a little bit of a train wreck, but it wasn't her fault. Spice Rack, on the other hand, couldn't see past the, it was a train wreck, okay? I think, I think I don't even think that it was like so bad where we had to, you know, where it was like one of those where it's so bad that you just stop in the middle and go, sorry, we tried, you know. And I think we got all the way through it. And I think eventually it got on, the, you know, she got on the key that we were on, but it just took her a little while to find it because it just wasn't the natural tone. So anyway. Afterwards, we're like cleaning up and stuff. And Spice Rack, this was like the, the... A perfect example of Spice Rack's social skills. So my buddy that I had invited was still there. And his wife was sitting at a table like right in front of us. So as we're, we're finished and we're kind of cleaning up and packing up our stuff, Spice Rack now has his back to her, but doesn't realize that, his, that she's sitting exactly like right behind him, like a foot away. So he goes, man, what was with that lady that came up? She sucked. She was so bad. What was what was her problem? What was with that lady that... I'm like, what lady? He's like, that one that came up to sing. She sang that song. And I was like, oh, my God. It all, like, the song, he said the name of the song, and it hit me, and I was like, she's right. I was like, dude, ah. D- uh it it wasn't that bad and he's like no not that bad are you kidding me it was horrible i was like i was like dude um it was fine i thought it sounded fine he was like well you were you were whatever cuz uh i don't know what he said like you know you're on something if you thought that was fine or something like that you know he was just just trashing the whole thing he's just so down on it and then never ever realizing that she's sitting right behind him. And I just saw, I was like, look, I saw her face. I mean, she was embarrassed. Right. And I was trying to like cover it up. You know, I was just trying to like, dude, shut up. It wasn't bad. (laughs) And so then, you know, I go, look, it was our fault. We were on the wrong key. I pulled it up in the wrong key. It was our fault. Oh, she should have known. It was as soon as She heard it. I was just like, dude, shut up. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that was like, that kind of stuff was very it wasn't uncommon for spice rack to pull something like that but that guy it's kind of reminded me like people are people are weird right people do weird stuff like and i'm i'm one of i'm a, i'm a people so i i'm i'm sure there's uh stories upon stories of stuff that you could talk to any of my friends or family and they would go yeah that dude is freaking weird okay i'm not d- excluding myself from the people are weird category but I saw this guy a couple of weeks ago at the gas station. I, I still, it's been on my mind. I haven't been able to, to forget this moment. It's like I'm still trying to figure out what the hell he was doing. He didn't, uh, he did not appear to be somebody that was on the On anything. He just. He seemed very coherent. And you know. Walking straight. And just. Pretty normal. He was like on the phone and stuff at times. He had this car. This poor car. Looked like it had been. um, It had seen better days. Lois. You know what I'm saying. This car had been beat. To crap. Repeatedly. And not taken care of, and it was just—I mean, it was—it was in a rough situation. This—I felt bad for the car, but he—he he pulls out of the back seat the door that wouldn't open and then wouldn't shut. Uh, he pulls out a container, like a plastic, one of those plastic gaskets—a red one with the yellow. Or black spigot kind of thing. I don't think they're yellow anymore. I think they make them black now. Anyway. The little red plastic gallon. Two gallon container. This thing looked like he had. Stomped on it. Or maybe driven over it with the car. Multiple times. Okay. It wasn't just squished. Or dented. This thing was crushed. Like. Like if he like if it was a coke can and he smashed it, okay, it was like he got it from set it on the ground and then stomped on it, like just took a two two feet in the air, jump up and slam down on it as hard as he could. That's what it looked like happened to this thing. How that happened, I don't know, but I'm trying to think. You know, I'm, I'm like I'm one of those people that when I see something, I try to recreate the story. For how that happened, all right. So I was trying to like recreate how the hell could that gas can be in that condition, all right? So he pulls the gas can out. Now he's trying to take. He tries. He's he takes the the little cap off, and I turn. I turn around because I'm I'm parked behind him at a pump, right? So I'm like busy. I'm trying to put gas in my truck. I miss exactly what happened when the time that i turned around because when i turned back around he's he's holding the gas can and now there's gas everywhere it is all over the gas can all over his hands on the on the pavement i mean not the pavement the the like the concrete um parking area it's like i get i'm guessing okay again recreate the story he Took the lid off, put some, got the gas little fuel pump thing, stuck it in there, and and put tried to put gas in this crushed container that wasn't going to receive much gas because it it wasn't going to expand. It was it's not like a you know when you get like a plastic water bottle and you crush it and then you put air pressure you blow into the the water bottle it'll re you know kind of try to take some of its shape back it'll expand that was not going to happen with the fuel he was putting in the can so i'm thinking maybe he thought that was what was going to happen as he put the fuel in it would expand and everything would be fine but it didn't i'm guessing because that's how it shot back out and then it was just everywhere not sure if that's what, what, what took place or not but in my mind that's what's happening. I can't explain how now everything's covered in fuel, him, including himself, it's dripping off this fuel can. It's like shiny wet like he it just the whole thing is just covered in fuel like like he took a little fuel shower over there. so I'm like, "What in the hell is he trying to do? So now I'm thinking he's messed up, okay, He didn't intend for that to happen. now it's a problem. he's got to figure out. How to clean this clean up this mess because this it's all over his hands and his shoes and and the gas can it's just like dripping down the sides, oh no, 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 I tell you he walks around the car uh struggles to open the door again. the door comes open with a clunk and a clank and a screech. Sets the gas can that's still dripping. That has who knows how much actual fuel in it. Maybe it's like a quarter cup. I don't know. Sets it on the seat of the car. With a clickety clank and a screech and a pow shuts the door, right? Now he's laughing because I think he knows that this is a, just a messed up situation. So he's laughing and he walks back around and then he proceeds to put like $3 of gas in his car and then, um, you know, shuts the whole thing, drives off. I was like thinking, again, let me finish the story because I can't just see something like that and it drives away and then not think about it for the rest of the week. Like, what was he going to do with that gas? i mean whatever piece of equipment or maybe he was going to rescue a friend who ran out of gas i don't know but whatever he was going to do with that fuel was not going to get a fair treatment because there was such a small amount that was able to fit in the crushed can furthermore what in the world did the interior of that car smell like? I mean, I can't imagine the the way the condition of the car that it maybe made a big difference. But all the windows were up when he drove off. I can't. I mean, can you imagine the headache, the the di- the dizziness, <laughs> the nausea? You know, like I can't. That that's the smell of of fuel is so strong and it's like it gets to my head when i when i am around it too long like it just it starts to make me feel all these things like you're sick you feel nauseous you feel it get a headache whatever i don't know but then i was thinking i i pray to god that this poor guy doesn't try to light a cigarette or something in that car because I could just... Again, finishing the story. I'm driving down the road. And behind me, I hear an explosion. And look to my left and see this Buick. Hauling ass completely on fire. Just down the road. Or maybe it's like up ahead somewhere. And you see this uh, mushroom cloud. I don't know. I don't know. But I know... That there was something going on in that story that I could not get out of my mind. This guy with this gas can. It was, I mean, dude, people are interesting. People are, people are weird. And they do unexplainable things. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people in the world. Just think about the amount of people that exist that you will never meet in your lifetime. You will never cross paths. You will never see them. You will never know they exist. But they do. I mean, there's so many people on this planet. And we've had debates about this before, right? Like, my friends and I, we've t- talked about, like, population control. And at some point, it you know, it gets to be too many when you see, like, well, I mean... I, I, to me, you know, do what you do what you want, right? But some people are like, "Hey, ten kids is too many kids." Is it too many kids? I don't know, but the, I know the <laughs> there's a lot of people already in the world, uh, and you know, if you're just having all, all kind of kids, you know, that's that's great. I mean, I guess I don't know. I have two kids. I wanted more, you know. If someday God blesses me with more kids, then I'd be down with that. But, you know, some people would say, hey, you have you have two and that's enough. You know, if we were in China, they would already I would already be you know I'd be done. Cause I have a boy and a girl and the girl would be Sayonara. Is that oh that's Japanese. My bad. What is Chinese for see you later? I don't know. I don't know Chinese. Anyway. Why did I ask myself a question like that when I, I know that I don't know Chinese? Anyhow, people are interesting and strange. And sometimes people do things that, that captivate our minds, right? Even if momentarily, like, I don't even want to say it. The Kardashians, you know, there's some captivating uh, somebody. They're captivating somebody's attention, not mine. Um you know certain things that set set people apart that you get that get your attention you know there's like viral videos that happening that's happening now you know a lot of people are going going viral for for things like you know uh little kids singing songs with their dad you know that's always cute uh you know viral videos like fail videos those things are hilarious, and those things are always you know go huge um just different things that you see on social media that people that you know will catch your attention and there's then there's the, like like the infamous things right there's a few things over the course of my life that have continually captured my attention things that like just stuck with me for some reason more than other things the o j simpson um, nicole brown ron Goldman th- story you know the murders that fascinated me when it happened still fascinates me today I've read books on it i've I've watched all the the documentaries not all but you know I've watched a lot of the documentaries i've read a lot of books on it um, it's a very interesting kind of it's a captivating case for me it stuck with me the idea of if you're if you're not familiar i don't know how you're not familiar but if you're not familiar with the case it's oj simpson accused of murdering his ex-wife and her friend ron the way that the bodies were discovered was because of her dog being out on the sidewalk barking, okay? So some people are walking their dog, and they see this dog under a street lamp barking, and it's covered in blood, okay? Now, that scene its in itself gives me the creeps. Like, to my core. When I heard it the first time, I was probably 14 or something. 15. So, there's, there's just something about that scene. Again, see something, fill in the story. That scene freaks me out. To the point where, when I've been in... Um, some neighborhoods, just they, they look like that neighborhood. That Brentwood neighborhood. So when I've been in neighborhoods that look like that at night, if I'm scared. I don't want to see a dog, okay? <laughs> you know, like, if a dog came out, I would probably scream and run away. There's something about that creeped creep me out from the beginning. And then the whole story, you know, the did he do it, did he not do it, there's all the evidence. Then he's found not guilty, okay? If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. He's found not guilty, then years later, he writes a book called If I Did It, which is mind-blowing. Because I read, not while well, I didn't read the book, I read, I heard, listened to the audio version. And it is, it's fascinating to hear, to kind of hear in his words how he would have done it if he had done it. And it's like, that sounds like motive and matches the evidence. That is <laughs> very that's a dude, that's a very that's an extremely ballsy thing to do man because you know in the United States we have double we have double jeopardy laws right so you once you're found to be not guilty of a crime you're found innocent of that crime you can't be charged again even if you said hey I did it they can't charge you again now you can get a civil suit which he lost you know they did that you can there's other consequences that you might face but to actually be tried again for that crime you can't which is I recently found out doesn't that law doesn't exist in Costa Rica because I was listening to a story about a a wife that was some an American couple that moved to Costa Rica and the husband died, okay he gets shot in the head she says it's suicide. local authorities say murder, okay they tried her found her not guilty. They said that's not good enough. We're going to try her again. Okay, they don't have double jeopardy laws in Costa Rica apparently. So if you're planning on moving to Costa Rica, don't don't get in a situation where somebody is dead around you, okay? Because if you get accused of that crime, they'll come after you. They've they've gone after this lady four times, okay? So she she goes to to trial. They found her not guilty. The DA says, we're going to try her again. They go to trial the second time. This time they find her guilty. So they lock her up. Well, she does an appeal process. The judge grants her uh, an appeal. Her appeal. She gets out of prison. The DA says, we're going to do it a third time. Okay, the third time found her not guilty. She flees the country. Okay, this time she's she hightails it, books it out of Costa Rica, back to the U.S. The DA in Costa Rica says we want to do a we're gonna go after her for the fourth time and we're gonna bring her back. Well, the U.S. is is not likely to allow an extradition for uh a trial that's that's already gone on for the for three times, and now they want to do a fourth. They're just they're probably not gonna play ball on that. She's probably safe. Listen, if you go overseas, if you go outside of the United States, you <laughs> one thing you need to know is the law of the land that you're in, right? This is a, a rule I've been teaching my kids since they were little bitty. Respect the rules of the house that you're in. Because mama's, mama's house rules are different than daddy's house rules. Daddy's house rules and mama's house rules are different than school's rules or church's rules or grandma and grandpa's rules you know so what you gotta do you can't expect everybody to have the same the same rules all right that' that's too it's too complicated to work out everybody has their own rules what you gotta do is you gotta learn the rules of the house that you're in and respect those rules according to your time there, right? So the, for the amount of time that you're going to be there, you respect those rules, and then when you go somewhere else, you find out what those rules are, and you go, you abide by those rules. Okay, it's a life lesson. You go overseas, you go to some other country. You you might want to know when you're Google searching your itinerary what are the just generic laws, you know, don't get caught with this. Don't do that. You might want to, uh, stay away from that. Just protect yourself. Right. So I'm telling my kids, if you go overseas, don't murder anybody. Okay. Don't get stuck in a situation where, I mean, that's a dumb, that's a dumb thing to say. Right. I was, it was half a joke, but it was also like, Hey, don't get in trouble. When you go, if you want to go to another country, that's fine. But do not get in trouble because they don't play by the same rules that that the United States plays by. All right, you go to Mexico, they will lock you up and then try to get your family to to you know they will like leverage your family to try to get money so they can get to you can get out. Right? There's there other other countries play by different rules and their protections for for accused criminals. Uh, are not that great. So, getting back to the to the point, OJ fascinated me, right? JFK, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, fascinated fascinated me from the time I was a little bitty kid. Because I can, rem- I can remember about the time it was. I must have been like. I would think second or third grade when I first heard about this assassination of the president. I mean, we've had assassinations of presidents before, but this one, for some reason, it stood out to me. And I think it was because it happened in Texas and I was living in Texas, right? So I lived in Greenville, Texas, this little town outside of Dallas. And it felt like it was so close. Like, Almost like I could know somebody that was, that knew somebody that was there, you know, that kind of thing. And it just struck me as, as like a really kind of a close to home kind of feeling about the whole thing. And my dad had this book called best evidence. Maybe you read that book. If you're ever, I mean, if you're into Kennedy at all, if you're into the the whole Kennedy thing, the book best evidence is, is fascinating. And it's horrifying because it has like, When you're like seven or eight and it like the picture section in the middle, you know, you open the middle of the book and it's got all the photos and stuff like it has like all the autopsy photos and everything. So that was like my first, uh, Hey, here, look at this. Uh, there's, there's a guy with his head blown off. It was just, it was too much to, to really like digest and kind of handle at that age. But it fascinated me how it happened and, and to this day i mean i've again i've read the stories and i've read all the different conspiracies and i've you know seen the Zapruder film over and over and over again and i've you know been in that area uh in downtown dallas you know uh, i've done all, i've done the whole thing you know I've talked to people that are like self-proclaimed experts and that kind of stuff you know it just fascinates me More moving forward, like the the shooting in Las Vegas is another one that fascinates me more than any other mass shootings um, that have happened. And they're all tragic. They're all horrible. I mean, the O.J. Simpson murders were were, uh, were horrible. Sh- killing of JFK was horrible. You know, I'm not trying to like make any kind of light of that of the victims or anything like that it's just the the story itself becomes fascinating at a certain level for for me because my investigative mind wants to figure out how it happened and why it happened and who did it right the whole thing in vegas was like one, another, one of those things, I remember exactly where I was at 4 a.m., reading it on my phone, watching the videos that were coming out on Twitter and Instagram, you know, of what was going on at the time. Now, I've since gone back and, like, read all the police reports. I've read all, I've seen the crime scene photos. I've seen, you know, I've done all that stuff. And there's still conspiracies that abound. And, I don't know, for some reason, I mean, conspiracies are interesting, right? Because a conspiracy theory doesn't take much to formulate a theory. Uh, People start putting together ideas and theories almost immediately as soon as they hear something. Like me, with the guy with the fuel can, I was like, I mean, I created a whole story as to how that happened. Like, he crushed it. Uh, then he thought it was gonna expand when he put fuel in it, didn't you know? So, you start trying to like fill in the missing pieces of the story, you try to start filling in the dots, and we all want to know why did that happen? How did that happen? You know, so the thing with Vegas, I was just I've gone back and I've read and I've studied and I've gone through all these you know YouTube videos and stuff, and it's just it's uh it's really fascinating what people the extent of what people do to try to create conspiracies i mean sometimes i go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theory and i think there's i mean i'm not a i'm not exactly i wouldn't consider myself a conspiracy theory guy right but i do like entertaining the ideas of conspiracy theories i don't always take things at face value. Okay. So I do have my own theories that I wouldn't call conspiracies. I just would say they were theories. Right. Um, and, but I do like entertain the conversation, the conspiracy theory conversation. If you, if you're a conspiracy theory person, you've got theories on how certain things happen. Amelia Earhart, you know, you got a theory on what happened there. Um, The moon landing you got a theory on what happened there jfk las vegas uh you know a lot of the other sandy hook there's a whole community of people um that are constantly debating the sandy hook thing 9-11 there's a whole i kind of stay away from that stuff because that (laughs) that uh can get a little crazy okay, a little, it's a little too far out there sometimes, uh, like the 9-11 stuff is, for me, it's, it's a little out there, kind of like the Denver airport, you know, being like the, the marker, like the place where the Illuminati to, does all their work, I mean, that's, it's a little, there's like secret Buildings and there's like a secret city underneath the Denver airport. You know, have you heard this one? There's a secret city underneath the Denver airport that they've built, and that's where the Illuminati operates out of. Um It's a little out there, you know, and it could. I'm not saying it's not true. It's just you you have to you have to really suspend a lot of belief to to start buying into the well. If you squint your eye at 5 p.m in the evening while looking at this uh, telephone pole and at the same time there's an aircraft going overhead that's white with a blue dot you that means you know like that kind of says like wh- come on man i mean i don't know it could be but it's just it's too far of a reach for me. You know, I go down the rabbit hole sometimes, especially on YouTube. There's some great videos on YouTube where people are like, during the elections, there's like the whole like Hillary is a robot. Hillary died ten years ago, and they've been like keeping her alive with, I mean, animatronics or whatever. Like she's a robot, like a like an artificial intelligence uh, animatronic robotic thing. I mean. Some of the some of theories out there are just wild and they're entertaining, you know? So if you just I just like to 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 dig in sometimes and just like listen and hear hear what's being said because a lot of times what's being said is bull crap. Okay. I'm just gonna say it. There's a real interesting YouTube channel that I like. The guy his his whole channel is like dedicated to the Las Vegas shooting. And uh mostly i mean there's some other stuff on there he he kind of goes way off into like illuminati and um tech romancy and stuff i mean it's, it's he's out there sometimes but what i like about the guy is that he he's like he's an ex cop from from cuba i think i think i think he is um and so what i like about him is that he Mm, how do I say this he just he puts it out there for it is what it is right okay let me try to explain he'll take a video and somebody from his community in the comment section or email or however they communicate will tell him like hey in this video cell phone video of the Las Vegas shooting right the night of It looks like there's a ninja in the trees (laughs) okay now this guy will then take that video that they that they tell me they go hey he goes hey somebody told me that it looks like there's a ninja in the trees of this video so let's go look at the video he goes like frame by frame like okay okay this thing see this little shadow right here this is what we're looking at It, it doesn't look like a ninja to me but it could be we don't know. Let's go ahead. Let's go forward. You know, he goes forward. He was like, whoa, that was kind of weird. It kind of moved shapes. Like, it changed shapes there. Look at that shadow change shapes. Now it looks different. Like, hmm. I'm not saying it's a ninja in the tree, but could it be a ninja in the tree? You know? So I like his approach because a lot of other guys will be like, there's ninjas in the trees. You can see by this video, definitive evidence and proof. Ninja in the trees the government ninjas are you know or sniping people whatever he doesn't present it as definitive proof but he doesn't debunk it either okay he doesn't i mean sometimes i think he goes i've heard him say like yeah i'm not that doesn't really seem plausible like that doesn't seem like that's what that's not what we're seeing there we're that that's a flashing light that's not a muzzle flash or whatever so I, I like listening to him because he, he just takes the theories and he puts them out there and then he tells you hey is there a ninja in the trees we don't know i don't know you tell me like go look at it and then you tell me so i kind of like the like i like his approach you know the um oh his channel is called according to joe um that's a, that's the name of his his youtube channel and i don't I mean, if you're into conspiracy theories and you're, if you like entertaining the ideas of conspiracy theories without all the like really deep way out there, hard to swallow, you know, um, I mean, some of those people get like, I've seen some where they're like, look at this, this here is an obvious, uh, what was the one I was looking at the other day? Let me think. Ah, I can't remember. Anyway, there's only one. You know, there's these videos where people are like, "If you look right here, you will you will see definitive proof that this happens." And then you watch the video, and you're like, "That is not." How are you seeing that? It it's like the the people from the '80s that were like, "If you listen to this record backwards, or the '70s, I guess is when that started." Like, if you listen to this record backwards, you will hear Ozzy Osbourne tell you to kill yourself, right? And so you're like, oh my gosh. And then you listen to it backwards, and it's like, see, he said, you should kill yourself. You're like, come on. Let me listen to that again. You listen to it again. Like, dude, I know I heard Yerby Derby do. I mean... How do you get? You should kill yourself out of that. You know, it's like that. It's it's like that. You they want it so bad to be a thing that they they just make it a thing. You know, they make it a thing on their own. Back a few years ago, a couple of years back, this is what I know. Some people are still. I think some people still follow Josh Forstein. Josh Forsythe is like a like a, a worse Alex Jones. Like Alex Jones is the conspiracy theory god of conspiracy theorists, right? Alex Jones, like you wouldn't believe what's happening, right? Josh Forsythe was like the Christian ultra religious version of Alex Jones. Anyway, he during um what they considered Jade Helm. Okay, if you remember, Jade Helm was going to be where the government. Obama was plotting a takeover of Texas. So they were taking over Walmart, uh, abandoned Walmart um properties. Then they were building tunnels. They were digging tunnels underneath the ground connecting Walmart to Walmart. I don't like saying Walmarts cuz Walmarts sounds weird to say. So they were connecting Walmarts, okay, with these uh, underground tunnels. So they're taking over the the properties Connecting them by tunnels, and then what they were going to do is they're going to move the military in here on a premise that they were doing training, okay? Urban training um, exercises. So then they were going to basically take over Texas, the military, round up all the conservatives and Christians, and put them in these Walmart, okay? WalMarts sounds really implausible. The whole time that this was happening, I think it was 2015. Uh, the whole time this was happening, I'm going, uh-uh, that sounds crazy. That's not going to happen. And they were going, you know, Alex Jones was like, you wouldn't believe what's going to happen here. I'm telling you, if you have money, if you got a million dollars, you need to get on your helicopter and get out of town. You need to flee Texas right now. And that's not my best Alex Jones. I do a pretty good Alex Jones, but I got to be a lot louder for that. He just screams into the microphone all the time. So Alex Jones was obsessed with Jade Helm. Josh Forstein was driving around Texas visiting Walmart parking lots (laughs) in a minivan. And this is what would drive me crazy about Josh Forstein. He would um, hold his, his camera phone, right? His phone, like right in front of his big giant face. His big... Uh, he looked like bearded Kevin James, King of Queens face, right? And driving around in a minivan, and he would look look out the window, like look to the side. So you, he would be holding his phone, and he would look to his right. Okay, he's a passenger because he's obviously he has a driver. Come on, Josh Forstein doesn't drive. All right, so he's in the passenger seat, and he's looking out his 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 mirror, or, okay, or his window. To the right. And he's going... You wouldn't believe what I'm looking at. I'm looking at... There are cops lined up. There are uh, military vehicles parked all over this place. They've got fenced in. Let me... Yep. Right there. Look. If you could see it right there. Tons of tanks. There's tanks. There's trucks. He never turning the, the phone from his giant freaking face. Like... Dude... Come on. I mean, if you want me to believe that you're being uh, stared at by cops lined up in Walmart parking lot, abandoned Walmart parking lot, and that there's military vehicles galore parked behind a a chain link fence in the parking lot, all you got to do is turn your camera. Turn your camera 45 degrees and we can see it. But no, all you're doing is showing your big fat face looking out the window going, you wouldn't believe what I'm looking at. You, well, yeah, I don't believe what you're looking at, cause you're the cause, Turn the camera. You know, come on. I don't know. I just this week I was just thinking about the the oddball. <laughs> I guess the spice rack story kind of got me thinking about odd characters, and then I spent like a couple of days this week just going down the rabbit hole of of conspiracy theories on YouTube, and I was like, dude, that's there's there's just so much. There's there's so much to, I mean, there's so much to sift through, you know, uh, but listen, here's the deal, no matter what happened with OJ or JFK or whether there's ninjas in trees, it's just us, we're in this together, we're going to get through it together. And we're going to make a better world with the people coming after us. All right. Peace out. The Tamale Mafia podcast is brought to you by me. You'll find the music from this podcast and a bunch of other cool tunes over at bensound.com royalty-free music, check out bensound.com. Thanks for listening.